Hi, Teachers Trial listeners. Today, we're publishing the latest episode of the Australian's daily news podcast, The Front, into this feed. Hedley Thomas will be in the witness box in the trial of Chris Dawson on Monday and perhaps further into the week. In this episode of The Front, I talk to Hedley about his journey to this pivotal moment. And every day this week, if you want to hear daily updates on Hedley in the witness box and everything else that's happening in the trial, All you have to do is search for The Front in your podcast app, hit the follow or subscribe button, and a new episode will be in your app every morning. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Monday, June 27. Anthony Albanese arrives today in Madrid for a crucial NATO meeting of world leaders expected to focus on the war in Ukraine and a global crisis in prices for food and commodities. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky will address the summit virtually and he wants Albanese to visit him in Kyiv later this week. State of Origin is going down to the wire, with New South Wales winning Game 2 in Perth and setting up for a final showdown on the Maroons' home turf, Brisbane, on July 13. The win vindicates New South Wales coach Brad Fittler's dramatic reshaping of his lineup after the Blues' Game 1 loss. First up this morning, the Australian's investigative journalist Hedley Thomas enters the witness box on Monday to give evidence in the trial of Chris Dawson for the alleged murder of his wife Lynn 40 years ago. Stay with us. In a moment, I'll be joined by Hedley Thomas and later in this episode, we'll be looking at the health watchdogs coming after vaping. Hedley Thomas is Australia's most famous investigative journalist. He's twice won journalism's highest award, the Gold Walkley, including for his 2018 podcast, The Teacher's Pet. That was about the 1982 disappearance of Sydney mother Lynn Dawson. Her husband, teacher Chris Dawson, later married the family's teenage babysitter, who had been one of his students. Christopher Dawson, who's now 73, has always strenuously denied any involvement in Lynn's disappearance. And of course, he's pleaded not guilty in this proceeding. Headley is the Australian's national chief correspondent, and he joins me now. Headley, on Monday, when you enter the witness box, you'll be sitting across the room in the Supreme Court in Sydney from Chris Dawson himself. It's not the first time, though, that you've sat in a room with him, is it? No, that's right. Probably two years ago now, it was in Sydney in a different Supreme Court room, and I had two days in the witness box in what was known as a permanent stay proceeding. That is, Chris Dawson was seeking to have the whole trial stopped, the whole prosecution thrown away on the grounds that he couldn't get a fair trial in part because of the Teacher's Pet podcast and in part because of the age of the case and what he described as the deficiencies and defects in the police investigation. So there were two full days in Sydney where I gave evidence. It was at the early stage of the COVID pandemic and my wife and I had driven down rather than um, flown. And when we drove back to Brisbane on a Saturday, having finished up on the Friday I was aware that I had to give further evidence 
from Brisbane via audiovisual link through the Monday and that happened and that was the end of it. But we were not allowed to report anything from those proceedings at that time. That evidence was effectively sealed as was Her Honour's judgment and it wasn't until episode one of the teacher's trial that we were able to delve into some of that and deal with it. So that proceeding was essentially suppressed, Headley. Nobody could report on it. There was a possibility that the whole murder trial of Chris Dawson was going to be suppressed as well. And this is something that journalists see more and more often in courts now, that there's an application by lawyers, normally for the defence, to completely close the court so that the media aren't able to get in there and report. Are you glad that this one's happening in open court? I think in almost every situation, Claire, it's really important that justice is conducted transparently and openly so that the public can see what is unfolding. I think there's more chance of things going awry when justice is conducted in secrecy and when evidence is effectively concealed from public scrutiny. This is all happening, of course, in the post-COVID era where everyone in court except the judge, the witness and the lawyers is wearing a mask. So Chris Dawson has been masked throughout these proceedings. Last time you encountered him, Headley, also in the COVID era, did you guys have any kind of interaction? Very little, Claire. He was sitting at the table, as I recall, with his solicitor, Greg Walsh. He had a barrister then called Philip Bolton. And Chris's brother, Peter Dawson, as I recall, was there too. As you'd expect, there were no niceties exchanged. I wanted to give my evidence and get back to Queensland. Listeners to our podcast, The Teacher's Trial, will know that the trial has really been a journey back to 1982 and the years around it, looking at what was going on at that time. Headley, of course, you weren't on the northern beaches of Sydney back then. So why are you a witness? Yeah, that's a good question, Claire. At the end of the stay proceeding in 2020, Her Honour issued a judgment. And in that judgment, it said that neither myself nor Rebecca Hazel, who is a writer and she helped me a lot with the teacher's pet, Her Honour said that we would not be witnesses in the forthcoming murder trial. However, Rebecca gave her evidence last week and I'm in the witness box this week. I gather that the prosecution has no questions for me. They seem to agree with the general proposition that I can't give any relevant evidence about what happened to Lynn Dawson. I was 14 years old in 1982. I believe I was living in Adelaide at that time, having left the Gold Coast for one year to live with my father, who was flying helicopters in South Australia then. My only connection with this case has been through my journalism many years after Lynn disappeared. In the stay proceeding, I was asked a lot of questions about my contact with witnesses, my interviews with witnesses, which were an essential part of the storytelling that I did for The Teacher's Pet. I wanted to talk to as many people as possible to get the fullest understanding, and I hope to leave no journalistic stone unturned, but that's very different to a police investigation. And, of course, most of the witnesses I talked to had already been interviewed by police. Their statements and evidence were already well known to prosecuting authorities, to police, to coroners. These stories are often pretty harrowing and the process after the story is published is exhausting. Have you got the energy for another one? 
Absolutely. I think that they're very important. And at an age when I probably thought I might be starting to slow down, I'm 55, I want to do more of these. I'm in a very privileged position because people are asking me and confiding in me stories about their loved ones, a missing daughter, sister, mother, wife. And there are lots of these cases that haven't been, in my view, thoroughly investigated before. Because I mostly work with a very small team, I can't do many of them, and it's important to choose those ones I can do carefully with an eye on the ones in particular that can potentially be resolved. But whatever happens at the end of Chris Dawson's murder trial, I'd like to keep going, and I think that for the most part, there's a public service in doing it. Hedley Thomas is The Australian's National Chief Correspondent. You can hear daily updates from the trial right here on The Front and our weekly podcast, The Teacher's Trial, is available now wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, the politics of vaping and why health authorities are coming after your e-cigarette. Australia's National Health Council has released a damning report on the use of e-cigarettes, saying that the vapour can be harmful and there's limited evidence that e-cigarettes are actually effective at helping smokers quit. Chief Health Officer Paul Kelly said his counterparts around the country are on high alert. One of my colleagues has said recently that e-cigarettes are the next big health issue after COVID. What's clear to me from the statement is that The only thing we should be breathing in is air. The report comes after schools around Australia made headlines for cracking down on students vaping by using new technology that could lock kids in bathrooms for puffing on vapes. Our journalist in Canberra, Sarah Eisen, joins me now. Sarah, are you a vapor? (laughs) Um, Look, I don't own a vape, but a lot of my friends do. And I definitely have partaken. So when they, you know, are like, hey, have a puff or whatever, like it's just so different from, or it feels so different from cigarettes. You literally just have this kind of inhale, a little light pops up. It seems very techy. I feel like I'm in Tron or like something really <laughs> high tech. And then it's kind of often really sweet, like a raspberry ice or something. But I don't really own one. I wouldn't call myself a vapor, so to speak. Okay, so you're in denial then. <laughs> <laughs> you can see right through me, Claire. I love it. We know, though, that there's a thriving black market in vapes and that the traditional tobacco companies are, in some instances, seeing them as the new business model. So what are the politics around vaping in Australia right now? Well, the politics are that the Therapeutic Goods Administration hasn't approved vaping as a cessation tool. So it is said to be that, and I think that's kind of the general marketing around it. What the latest report told us, as a number of reports have, is that there are over 200 different kinds of chemicals and substances that do show up in vapes. That's what's made the health authorities go, right, we really need to actually understand the evidence. We need to have this clear about what it does and doesn't do, the risks, and who's using it, what it can do to different age groups, etc. For a few decades, Australia's been a leader in anti-tobacco legislation. The plain packaging legislation introduced by Nicola Oxen certainly was fought very hard all the way to the High Court by Big Tobacco because they knew that other countries would follow Australia's lead, which did happen. 
Sarah, what have governments tried to do in the past to crack down? Well, there is a requirement for you to have a prescription for liquid nicotine, actually. That is pretty widely ignored. But also there was this plan that was talked about for a while, Greg Hunt was behind it, to ban the importation of vaping devices. But there was this internal revolt. Holly Hughes is a Liberal New South Wales senator who currently serves in Parliament. And she has a lot of material on how vaping is a good cessation tool and how harmful traditional smoking is. And Holly vapes and is very open about the fact that she does vape. Holly Hughes kind of led 28 coalition MPs and senators in this open letter that really opposed the import restriction and Hunt then abandoned it. So it's interesting. There are desires and moves to do something. There is internal opposition. So it's going to be interesting to see what the impact of the reports, the kinds of reports that you and I are talking about today, will have on addressing that opposition to harsher regulation and enforcement. My middle-aged mum friends and your gorgeous 20-something friends, they're not using it as a, a way to quit cigarettes, are they? Absolutely not. And also, I think they use it more than they would cigarettes. They've almost got it in their hand all the time, unlike, you know, cigarettes where also you don't always want to hold them or have too many cigarettes because they can kind of stain your fingers and your teeth and so on. I mean, that's just in my personal experience and with a number of friends who, whom I love dearly, but I do notice they've always got a vape. Sarah Ison is a journalist with The Australian. Thanks for joining us. Hit follow or subscribe in your podcast app and come back for daily updates from the Chris Dawson murder trial. You can find that story and all our journalism anytime at theaustralian.com.au.